Welcome to When God Breaks Through, a podcast designed to look at the messy moments in motherhood and show how the gospel applies in practical ways, giving us hope and grace as we interact with our own kids. You'll hear crazy stories and life lessons from my mothering of eight kids. But more importantly, you'll hear the hope Jesus offers us for peace and not anxiety, for grace both for ourselves and to extend to our kids, and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome to the kitchen table this week. I'm glad you're here with me. I hope you can find a few minutes to sit this week because I believe what we're going to talk about will, I pray, settle your soul in a lot of ways. I've been spending time over the last few weeks, these early weeks of this new year, talking with a lot of different women, and we are all feeling the stretch in the pool of the world. A lot of it is heartache and anxiety and worry and wonder. We feel like we're holding a lot. We're not sure we're ever going to get to put it down. There's a lot we juggle, a lot we worry about, and a lot we wonder about. And oftentimes when we're weary and our souls ache and we feel depleted, which I think most of us feel like right now, there's a lie that begins to creep in to our thinking and then into our heart. It begins to be way down at the bottom of the things that we do. And that lie whispers to us to just stop. You need to rest. Just stop. Lay, you know, indulge for a minute, lose discipline for a minute. And I am here today to sit with you and to say, if we're going to begin a journey of a new year, we need to understand we are running a race. And so oftentimes that lie begins to seep into our psyche and it definitely has been seeking, seeping into mine. So I want to be very vulnerable from the very beginning of today and say that over the Christmas break, the strongest whisperings that I could hear were just stop, just stop. What does it matter? Just rest, Bethany. This is hard. It's too hard and it's too much. Whether it was even in doing the podcast, whether it was in writing, whether it was in preparing the book I'm getting ready to publish, whether it was in getting ready for a conference that's happening in March, in all these places, and then inside of my motherhood, in hard relationships with kids that are just normal, but hard, you know, of teaching 
obedience, the importance of obedience and the importance of honesty and the importance of respect and encouraging character and encouraging integrity and the whispering deep in my soul was just stop, just rest. It's too much. And I don't know if you're hearing this, but I will tell you that I'm hearing it. And the women that I'm rubbing against the most closely are hearing it. And so I do not believe it is an isolated event. And I'm talking today about how do we anchor ourselves down in the gospel in such a way that not only are we willing to keep going, but we have a vision of what this is all about. And we have an impetus to move forward and we are doing it even with the right mindset. Because there's a difference. Like we can just plow forward and be like stubbornly, but I'm just going forward come hell or high water. And it's not the same thing either. So we've got to understand what our race is in motherhood what our race is as a redeemed daughter of the king. How do we run it? How do we anchor well in the truth? And then I believe we can begin to walk forward into some of these next episodes that I already have planned and that are already recorded that I'm very excited for you to get to. But I really feel like the spirit is saying we need to talk about the race. So today, friend, did you know you're in a race and do you think of your life like that? And I don't mean, yeah, I'm in a race. I'm constantly running from this activity to that and running this kid here and dealing with that and um, worrying about homework and wondering about the PTA and heaven forbid my work. I can't even juggle it all. Yes, our culture is moving at a breakneck speed and we have so many demands on us. And that bears conversation. And we are going to have that conversation in about, I think, a month from here. We're going to revisit this idea of keeping everything, keeping things in the right perspective. But today, when I'm talking about, about a race, is I'm talking about on the spiritual field of life. You see, in Philippians 3, Paul says this. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What is he talking about? Well, up above that, he was talking about the fact that he's counting everything a loss compared to knowing who Jesus is, knowing Jesus as my Lord and being found in him. And having my identity be constructed solely through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's talking about. He says, so I haven't obtained it and I'm not made perfect in it. I'm not, I, I don't have it all together, but I press on to make it my own. And in verse 13, he says, brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. 
And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. My prayer in the next 20 minutes is that we can crack this open in a way that is life-giving for you. That maybe for the first time, maybe you have felt like you have been drowning in 22 already. And maybe in the next 20 minutes, my prayer is that you will take a deep breath of God's mercy and his grace. And you will understand that you can run well. And in running well with Jesus, we are not drowning. We are not mentally exhausted. We are not emotionally depleted. We're not So if you today are washing dishes or folding laundry and you're like, no, I am. And I want to tell you, I am struggling there too. And I have been there and God is working this out in me. So if you are coming to my house today, we would be talking about this because we can't move into the gospel and make connections of the gospel to motherhood life if the gospel is not real to us. And so today we're going to make it real, I pray. First of all, we need to identify the lies that we are hearing. And we do hear lies. There are whispers, there are invitations to take steps back, to quit, to uh, rationalize and justify things that we know we should a not to or things that we're basically sins of omission. Like we're choosing to just a a sin of omission means I'm just not doing something. A sin of commission says I'm choosing to actively sin about something. So a sin of omission, maybe I'm just, I just haven't been, I'm not, not in the Bible. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And I hear that. So I, I don't, I want to take the fangs out of the enemy. There's not shame here in that space because God's mercy is deep for our mistakes. And so we're going to talk about that in the gospel. But for the first part, we hear the lies that say, just stop. The good news though, is that inside of that, what happens is we often do, we often do stop. And we then immediately begin to hear the condemnation that says, oh my gosh, you stopped. You can't do it. You know, because the enemy is so good. He is so good. And we talk a lot about him. There's many podcasts about that we've talked about his activity in our lives. But the first thing he's going to do is he's going to tempt you to get off course. He's going to encourage you to rationalize with a small off of the truth. So he'll take a a lie that sounds a little bit truthful, but it's a little bit of a lie. And he wants you to get off course with that. The minute though, that you step off course, then he's going to pummel you with condemnation. All the ways that what you are doing now make you unredeemable. um, Shame. You should be full of shame, condemned, Keep it secret. Don't talk about it. Just keep going. What does it matter anymore? You're stuck. Feelings. So we're going to go look at the classic picture of what God says of when we 
get off track. And that's found in Luke 15. And there's actually three parables. Um, and God has been whispering to me over and over. And if you actually know me in real life, you've heard me say this over the last six weeks, that God has absolutely given me this phrasing uh, because my heart has desperately needed it, which is he goes, I am the God of the one. Sometimes I think I get lost in the concept that God came to save the whole world. And he wants to save everybody. And he wants to walk with everybody. And he wants everybody to follow him. And he wants relationship with everybody. And I lose the fact that he is the God of the one of which I am that one. And I don't know if you need to understand if you've bought the lie that you can just stop that is not important anymore. But you understand God is the God of one, you. And he sets up, Christ sets up three parables to display his pursuit of the one in the group of many. The first one is the parable of the lost sheep. And he says in this parable, say you have a hundred sheep and if somebody lost one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. And he comes home and he calls together his friends and his neighbors. And he says, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. And then the next one is the parable of the lost coin. And it says, oh, what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one, doesn't light a lamp, sweep the house, seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I've lost. And finally, the parable of the prodigal son. So, we know this story, and there's lots of huge truths in this story. We have a man, he had two sons. The younger of them comes to his father and says, God, Father, give, give me my share of what's coming to me, because I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going. And so the man divides up his stuff, and the young son gathers everything he had, and he just, he's out. Peace out. I'm done. Out. I'm going. I'm, I, life is better somewhere else. And it says he journeys into a far country and squanders his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a famine arose, and he began to be in need. He went, and he hired himself out. And he ended up feeding pigs. And he ended up having to eat what the pigs were eating. And no one gave him anything. And it says in verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, so it's like when he has this realization, he says, wait a minute, even my father's hired servants eat better than I'm eating here with these pigs. I need to go back to my father and I need to say, I have sinned. And, and I, I can't be your son anymore, but will you at least treat me like your servant? So he decides to do that and he gets up and it says he came to his father. And then this next phrasing is where God has had me camped as he goes and he whispers to my soul, I am the God of one, Bethany. I am your God. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So often 
when we are in this journey, and especially over these last few years, there has been so much to handle and to do and to be about. And for so many of us, we have felt the pressure to be more, to be better. Um, and yet it's so hard. And so we buy into the lie of, I just can't anymore. And so we're off track. I don't know if you're in the pigsty yet. I don't know where you are. I know there are lots of times in my mental space where I'm basically slopping pig slop. Where I'm basically saying, I'm done. I've come to the end. This is all that's left. I can't, I can't, you know, in, I am afraid to go to my father because I'm slopping pig slop. I've gotten myself in such a space of apathy or in such a space of anger or in such a space of anxiety because those really, I believe, are the three ways that when we begin to buy the lie that running hard with God isn't worth it, then either what happens is what begins to crop up is we become apathetic. We just are like, whatever, it's not working. None of this is working. I can't do it. We become angry. Nobody's living up to what they said they were going to do. I can't do it all myself. Oh my gosh, this there's it's too much. Or we become anxious constantly worried and trying to counteract and outthink and outplan and make sure. But those are pigsty activities. And we've been called to run a race that he enables and equips us to run. But the first part of that is returning. And I think for the women and for me that I'm engaging with, returning can be hard because we believe we need to clean our bodies and clean our clothes so that we don't smell like pig slop. We don't look like pig slop. But if you look in scripture, there is no indication that this young man cleans anything up because he figures, oh, I'm not going to be a son, but at least I can be a servant. And I'll get, I'll, I'll have enough that life will be better than this. And the father sees him from a long way off. That's what scripture says. And God is a God of one. And he is constantly looking at you, watching over you, caring for you, seeking you. And the imagery that God gives us in this scripture is that that father, when he saw him from a long way off, it says he ran and he embraced him. And I think um, the beautiful thing about this is the son's not running. God is, or the father is running. 
And so for you and for me, this picture is a picture of his heartbeat for us. That he's not waiting for us to clean up. And so what happens oftentimes is that we move ourselves in such a way that we're on the sidelines of the race and we're embarrassed. We feel behind. We feel like we've messed it up. The race is lost. And before we can keep going in the gospel, we need to understand that God is absolutely looking at you, engaged with you, wants to run this with you, and is just running towards you. So we need to return. We need to return and understand who we are in the gospel. So we're going to start with our identity. Your identity is received from God. It is not achieved by you. You will never achieve your identity. That was done at the cross by Christ and given to you. How do I know that? Well, first of all, your identity is you are justified. You are deemed legally righteous. And we're going to have all these scriptures in the show notes. My encouragement is sit and begin to dwell in these scriptures. But in Philippians 3, 9, it says that you have been, let me just read it. It says, I have been found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, which would be achievement, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So you've been justified. You are legally righteous. Do not let the enemy whisper any more to you and condemn you, saying that you are sinful and beyond saving. You are not. You have been adopted into God's family. It is no longer who I am. I'm a good mom. I'm a good wife. I'm a good worker. I'm a good daughter. I'm a good sister. I'm a kind friend. You're not a who. It is whose I am. You see, you belong to God. You are his child. Romans 8 clearly lays this out. And if we could have a conversation, we would be spending time flipping scriptures and marking them in the word. This is one place. There are lots that say you are a child of God. But here's one. It says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. So Romans 8, it's not a who. It's a whose. Whom do you belong to? Whose are you? And then you're not only justified, legally righteous, Not only are you adopted into God's family, but you have union with Christ. See, this is the basis for combating the lies in motherhood. You are unified with Christ. That gives you your purpose. 
Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I love this quote from, um, there's a quote from Tim Keller, Timothy Keller, from his book, Every Good Endeavor, and it's talking about your connecting your work to God's work. And sometimes we forget that what we do in our homes is, is work, just as much as the work we do outside of our homes. But this quote, it says, No task is too small a vessel to hold the immense dignity of work given by God. You see, God has given to you and to me this beautiful role. But it is a, we are a workmanship created to do work. He's already determined for us because, this is the identity part, because we are in Christ. And so we can rest and begin to go, okay. You see, the gospel flies in the face of current motherhood culture. Current motherhood culture says, be all you can be, um, be yourself, don't care what anybody else says about you, um, deter- you determine your, you know, your dignity, your um, success, you know, if you feel good about yourself, that's good, and those threads weave all through Christian motherhood too. So we need to be very wise. We need to be very discerning that we're not letting that seep in because you see, when you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't feel like you're successful, when you don't, uh, feel dignified, if you determine your identity, then we're going to have problems and the whispers and the lies of the enemy that says, forget it. It's not worth it. Become very easy to listen to. But when we understand that there is someone who declares our worth and our dignity, but it is not us and it is not anybody who walks this planet. It is Jesus Christ. He is the source of your worth and your dignity. It's not your thoughts. It's not your feelings. It's not how good the day's going. It's not the accolades of your society, of your friends, of what other people see. It's not even the praise of your husband or your significant other. Your worth, your dignity must be determined at the cross through Jesus Christ and what happened there. And then therefore what happens to you and to me. So when we're faced with crises, When we're faced with failure, when fear and despair is something that we really, really feel a lot of, we have to go back to our identity. We have to go back to the truth that remains, that I am in Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. And then we can move forward into the crisis, into that failure, the place that we messed up, into the places of fear, what we're worried about, even into the things that feel hopeless. We can step into those places, understanding our identity has been determined and declared, 
through God, through Jesus Christ, and his filter and his lens drops into place. You see, Christ answers who you are. He answers what you're called to do. He answers how you are called to respond. All with the truth of the gospel. He establishes your identity. He establishes my identity. And we can stand in his truth no matter what is shifting all around us. You know that parable that um, Jesus talks about the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. Remember that? It's in, I think it's in Matthew. And, and he says, you know, the man who built his house on the sand, I mean, the winds came and they blew and the house fell down and the waters rose and the house fell down because there was no firm foundation. But the man who built his house on the rock, that house stood the test. Y'all, we have got to figure out if we've built our house in sand, our feelings, how our successes, our pat on the backs we give ourselves for doing things well, what other people say about us. Or have we built our house on the gospel? It's tricky because culture and society tells you constantly that failure and success and praise and discouragement, those things matter. And you have been steeped and I have been steeped in the American culture that says it's all about the end result. It's all about the product you get. So in motherhood, it's all about the end result is a good day. The end result is a good kid. The end result is a kid who loves Jesus. The end result is being a nice mommy. The end result is looking good to everybody else at church. You name your end result. But understand that you have a natural flesh and culture bias that says those things are important. And so in order to understand whether or not you've built your house on the sand of all of that or on the rock of the gospel, you have to spend time quietly listening to the spirit and identifying when I'm feeling anxious or apathetic or angry, why? What is determining that? What are the lies I'm hearing that say this doesn't matter anymore? This is dumb. Just quit or just take a, just take a day. I mean, just, you deserve a day. You just deserve a day. It's been a hard, whatever. It's been a hard season. It's been a hard, crazy two years that we've all lived through. We just deserve a day. Be careful with that thought process. And I hear it all the time too. This is not a judgment zone. This is a, we need to begin to arm ourselves against the whispering lies of the enemy. And we need to steep ourselves down in the gospel. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 is my probably, probably my favorite life verse. It, it, it is. Well, I don't know. There's several, but oh my gosh, it's one of the top five. And 
it speaks to this. And if I could encourage you to put a verse on your bathroom mirror, it would be this one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Why? This next word is basically going to say, this is the answer to the natural question. Why? For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Do you understand that we have this active job that we are going to have to do? The running of the race is this active setting of our mind. And and so even the course that I have, that I work with women through, which is called resetting your mind, is because I am constantly in the understanding that I have to reset my mind almost every day on the truth of the gospel, reframe my house again on the rock of being in Christ, understand that his mercy is enough, his grace is enough, his love flows over it all, that repentance is real and it's important, but his peace, his peace, is beyond understanding when I am set on that rock. So in Christ and in motherhood, there are some massive truths. And I'm going to fly through them. And there is a printout in the show notes. And if you need this, go print it and stick it on your bathroom mirror. Stick it anywhere you want it. We will have it as a printout and it will be also as a screensaver for you on your phone. Take time Know these scriptures, mark them in your word, understand that they will speak to the pain in your soul and the hard days. They will calm the anger in your mind on the mad days, and they will absolutely quiet the the anxious thoughts and the worry thoughts on those days. So in Christ, in my motherhood, and in your motherhood, we are loved. Romans 8, 38 and John 15. In Christ and in our motherhood, we are forgiven. Romans 5 and Ephesians 1. In Christ and in our motherhood, we are not alone. Hebrews 13, 5. We are content. John 6, 35. We are accepted. Romans 3, We are secure. God's heart in our motherhood is that we will know these truths. 2 Timothy 2. In Christ, in our motherhood, we can rest. Matthew 11. We are powerful. You see, the Spirit's power is within us. That's Ephesians 3, 16, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and Colossians 1. I think that one is important for us to understand, and we often miss it. In Christ, in our motherhood, we are not condemned, Romans 8. Our mind experiences life and peace in Christ, in our motherhood. In Christ, in our motherhood, we can abide. We can be purposeful. We are fulfilled. We are his. That's just a touch of all the things. 
you and I are running a race. We are running a race that we never thought we would be running. We're also running the race, though, that God knew from the beginning of time we would be running. He has not looked away from you. He is not surprised by what you're walking through. He is not stewing, wondering, worried, trying to figure it out. He is walking with you. He promises to equip you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to whisper again and again words of wisdom, both for you and for your moments. Words of um, forgiveness. Words of affection. Words of assurance. Your God is for you. He sees you as you are turning back to him and he runs towards you. He's the God of the one and you're his one. And he's inviting you back into the race. We need to run hard. It's not easy. And we need community in order to run well. It's not a solitary race. It's different. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to be sitting down and I'm going to be talking with a couple of other women about different ways and truths about this running of this race. Ways we hear the lies that say that other things can be great ways to indulge ourselves. Um, we'll, we'll be talking about what happens when anger gets to be too much. When we sink into anger, when we sink into apathy. But I want you to know today that before you can really receive and understand and begin to engage, I want you to begin to build your house on the rock. You are in Jesus Christ because he has redeemed you and called you by name and you are his. And if that hasn't happened for you and you don't know what I'm talking about, somehow you've stumbled into this podcast, I want you to reach out to me. I want you to... You can um, find me on Instagram easily. You can email me through this podcast. I have a, um, on my website, bethanykimsey.com, there is even a place that you can leave me a, a, a message, you know, by recording your voice. Find it, use it, please. I would love to talk with you one-on-one and help you know that you know that you know that you are the sheep that Jesus came and rescued. You are the coin that he searched the house over for, and you are the prodigal son that he has run to redeem. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.